2: is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is kindly sponsored by Shortland Horn, Coventry's leading estate agents. My name is Tom Ward and I'm joined this evening by David. Evening. Evening, mate. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined by a very special guest. Our guest this evening started his career in the Chelsea Academy before making the switch to Brentford, where he worked up the ranks before making his debut in 2017. He signed for the Sky Blues in the summer of 2018 and went on to make 32 appearances across a two-year spell, scoring four goals in the process. I'm, of course, talking about Zane Westbrook. Evening, Zane. Welcome to the Sky Blues Extra podcast.
3: Evening, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, no worries. It's, uh, it's really good to have you on. Um, obviously, we got to know you quite well as a Coventry player over the last couple of years, um, but we don't know a huge amount of you about you sort of before your time at Coventry, yeah. Um so I thought it'd be good just to go right back to the start. Um believe you were born in Surrey, is that right Zane? Yeah, I was born in um Chertsey in Surrey yeah,
3: and grew up grew up around Woking area.
2: Yeah, I thought it'd be good just to uh, to hear a bit more about sort of your upbringing and I guess what got you interested in football.
3: Uh, I think that would be my dad really. Um I was put around a football probably as soon as I could walk and and kick and he was a big big Tottenham fan and big football fan in general so I got into it really early started playing for my I think my first Sunday league team when I was about five years old
2: oh really nice yeah
3: so it was a it was a quick start for me yeah
2: yeah so pretty much as long as you can remember I guess
3: yeah yeah been been playing and going to watch I mean not so much in the last few years I haven't been to as many but growing up I was I was going to watch any team I could really
2: Mm. I was going to say you said your dad was a Tottenham fan did you support Tottenham as a kid or did you support a different team
3: yeah so I, I was a Tottenham fan um most of my family is as well, but weirdly, I was uh, I spent my childhood going to to Fulham. Actually, we had season ticket at Craven Cottage for about about seven years.
2: Nice. And did you um, did you have any sort of like heroes growing up? Were there any players you were kind of trying to model yourself on?
3: Um, I think there were a lot of players. I mean, from Spurs when I was young, I liked Luca Modric, Tom Huddleston. Um, when I used to go and watch Chelsea, I really liked Joe Cole. Mm. And then for the Craven Cottage days, when Musa Dembele who was at Fulham, he was. I idolised him when he was there.
2: Yeah, great players, especially Modric. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was unbelievable. He's still What's going as well. And, yeah. Yeah.
3: And
1: Zane, obviously, we saw you at Coventry as a midfielder. Is that the position you've sort of always played as a kid and you were always a midfielder?
3: When I was about probably six to 10, I was actually a bit more of like a winger, uh, a left winger, sort of like sure. Joe Cole. I think that's who. I sort of could see myself being most when I was young, a um, bit of a winger slash ten, and and I think due to probably speed and pace reasons, I was I was put more into into midfield, into attacking midfield, and that's where I found myself playing. Yeah.
1: And you you made a move sort of in Brentford, uh, and you sort of worked up the ranks in in their academy. How, how did that come about? That move, and and how, what was your time there like?
3: Well I got so I was at Chelsea from 6 till 14 got released from Chelsea then and I don't actually remember how it came about for me getting to Brentford but but I went there and um, it was probably the best best thing I could have done I, I really enjoyed it. I think I was there for about seven years and it was a real great place to be great people and a real learning culture so for a young player it was it was really good and even when they went to the B team yeah. a lot of people were thinking it's, it was a weird move and. For me, it was actually a really really good thing we We had great coaches coming in. We were really close to the first team, and um obviously it didn't work out for me at the end and I had to make make the move to commentary but i mean I, I I loved it there yeah
1: yeah and you you made your debut against Fulham in a West London diary. That must have been a special moment for you making your debut and also in in a really big fixture.
3: Yeah, it was, and it was funny. Like I said to you about me going to Craven Cottage when I uh, when I was growing up, it was it's funny. My dad and his mates were all in their season ticket seats in the uh, <laughs> in the home end, and uh, so everyone's going to clap the away fans after the game. And I'm looking for my dad in the home end, <laughs> thinking this is this is a derby. Why is he going over there? <laughs> but but no, that was a that was a great day and um, one that no one can can take away from me.
1: And we talked to a lot of players on the podcast about. Loan, sort of loan spells um, and you went to Solihull Moors and, and Leighton Orient. How did they help your development and education as a player?
3: Um, well, I think the loans are really good and I, was, I would always advise them to, to any young player coming through because it is just a complete different, different life than, than youth football and 23s, even if it's B-team football. Yeah. Um, because my first experience, I went to Solihull Moors and I, I wasn't there for that long. Um, you just get this feeling of, of how much it matters um, winning and, and getting results, and I think everyone will have the, sort of the same opinion on when you you change from 21s or reserve team football to a first team environment, and maybe the quality isn't as good, but the the meaning of the game becomes becomes so much more. And, and yeah, I really I really enjoyed it at Solihull Moors. Obviously, I got sent off in my in my second game there. And by the time my ban was over, Brentford decided it would be better for me to go to Layton Orient instead of going back to Solihull Moors. Right. So I went there instead, which I also I really I did enjoy. But um, I sort of was in the team for for the start and w- wasn't in the team at the end, and I felt like it was better to just head back to Brentford rather than than stay at Layton Orient and not play when I was doing that at Brentford.
1: Yeah,
2: mm. sure. And you joined the Sky Blues in 2018 on a two-year deal. Um, when did you first hear about the interest from Coventry?
3: So, I'd had a funny season at Brentford. Really, when that season I'd started, I was on the bench a few times, and I thought I was sort of in and amongst it. And I, I could feel myself getting further and further away, which and no one was really talking to me. So, I made the decision, sort of just after I think February time, that I wanted to go and look elsewhere and and go on trial or just see what else was out there before my contract was up because I didn't want them to sort of run my contract out and yeah. not be prepared for anything. And um one of my old coaches at Chelsea, Ben Knight, who was also my first Sunday League coach, um, rang A D Vivash and uh, said of course, yeah. And just said, Listen, Zane's looking for a club, um, like if if you're interested and he instantly phoned me. I remember I was going into I was going into Pure Gym at the time and I got a call from from AD I hadn't spoke to since he was my coach when I Mm. was about 12 years old. And he just said, listen, the gaffer, Mark Robbins, wants to see you. I've told him that you're looking for a club and you can come and try. You can come here for a week. And instantly just said, yeah, I'll drive up the next day and and come. And I was supposed to be there for a week. And I think after three, I trained once or twice and then played in a reserve game against Crewe um, at the Rico. Yeah. And I went back in the change room and the gaffer, Mark Robbins, came up to me and just said, listen, I'm, I'm signing you. I want you. And Brilliant. it was, um, yeah, it was a great feeling. He, he really showed faith in me that he, he liked me and he wanted me at the club. And because at that time, I didn't know whether I was going to have to go to a few clubs and go on trial and yeah, see. And I didn't really know what, what was going to happen at that time if I had to go back to Brentford. But he told me that he wanted me there. He wanted to sign me, get like a pre-contract sort of done. And it was the season where... Cobb um, got promoted from League 2 so yep. I got to train with the team at the back end of that season to get to know everyone get settled in and and that was yeah it was a great sort of turnaround because I wasn't I wasn't sort of lingering at Brentford for too long knowing I didn't want to be there yeah. as soon as sort of I'd, I'd met Mark Robbins he he wanted me to sign so that was a great feeling
2: Yeah that's brilliant it's interesting to hear about AD as well because we hear a lot of players you know praising him a lot about his training methods and things like that but I guess as he was just so involved with Chelsea for, for a number of years, he's obviously got that network of young players as well. And, you know, he's obviously helping with, with the scouting side of things as well.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think they've got sort of a good relationship where they're both in contact with different groups of people and their coaching comes from probably two different styles. And so that when it comes together, it, it like yeah. the last few years, it, it has worked really well. And I would say that AD does most of the coaching and things like that but again when he put my name forward to, to the gaffer it's not his final decision whether of course, a player yeah. signs or not so I think there'll be a lot of players that he will have put forward to to the gaffer but at the end of the day it's, it's his decision whether whether he wants him in his team or not
2: yeah definitely and um, what was it about Coventry that sort of attracted you to the club did you know much about the history and, and things like that
3: well first of all I knew that Coventry was a massive club and I knew from being at Brentford and not being in the team, in the championship, that I was going to have to take a step down to to take a step back up sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And when I was at Coventry and I'd sort of done a bit of research and watched a few games because I knew how important it was for me to, to sign for the right club because of the type of football I play. Um, I knew that I couldn't just sort of sign for any team and hope that I would shine because the style, the style I play, probably isn't the style of most League One, League Two clubs. Of course, um, but I did, I got to see, and even in the first week I was there, the first few days, um, the gaffer was talking to me about the style of play and how I would fit into that. So I instantly knew that he yeah. wanted me because of what I brought, and I wanted the club because of what they brought, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what did Mark Robbins say to you um, before you signed? And I guess in your sort of early few train sessions, had he talked much about his plans for the season and like where he wanted you to play and that kind of stuff?
3: He didn't talk to me so much about where I was going to play or, or how I was going to be in the team. He knew that my style was right for the club and what the type of player he wanted. But I'd say the main thing he said to me was, if you sign here, even though we are in League Two, he said you're signing for a bigger club than this league yeah. and a bigger club than League One. He said, he's, he was definite about we were going to, to League One.
2: Yeah. And
3: um, it was funny because he he did he said that and I didn't think he he would have remembered, but when we got promoted at Wembley, I, I was obviously in my suit watching the game and I went on the pitch to celebrate with them after. And when I went to sort of give him a bit of like a hug and say congratulations and stuff, he said, he looked at me and my eyes and said, I told you so. I told you we would <laughs> get to League One. And I thought it was quite nice that he remembered that
2: yeah that's brilliant in terms of your sort of first pre-season at Coventry what was that like
3: it, it was full on um, it, there, we, there was quite a few injuries in in that pre-season I think Kells was out Tom yeah, Bailey right, was yeah. away um, he was away with England and I was playing almost 90 minutes I, I obviously hadn't played a match in a long time because when I left Brentford I, I was only allowed to train I could play two 23s games and that was it um so I hadn't played a game in a long time, and then I was playing a lot of ninety minutes. And I thought, oof, I've got a I've got a chance here of starting the first game." Um, and then, like Shodzor, I tore my quad in the. We played Derby at Nuneaton. Uh, I, yeah, didn't know, yeah. I didn't know I'd done it at the time, but I tore my quad. I thought it was just tight, and I was on set pieces back then. And. The Gaffer loved his set-piece sessions. He would make you take 100 corners, 100 free kicks, and he'd just, just drill you into it. And I was—I remember it was the day before the West Brom game, the last pre-season game. I was taking him, and he was like, one more. And it went on for about half an hour. <laughs> one more, one more. And I just said to him, I, I can't kick the ball anymore. It's killing me. And that ended up sort of, I wouldn't say ruining my whole season, but I sort of felt like I was going to start the first few games because Abs um, Abza Gogo started the season with Doyler and I was not in a disrespectful way or anything like that but I felt like the gaffer wanted one break-up play and one, and one ball player and I felt yeah. like I, w- I was going to start start there but yeah, I was out for the first eight weeks and I came back from that and um, I tore a ligament in my ankle and I was out again and I didn't really get near it until till Christmas time.
1: And when you first came into the club what what did you make of the lads? Was it easy to sort of get him in, involved in the in the change room, and was there anyone in particular that you were close to
3: um yeah it was it was really easy to settle in a really um friendly group. I think the, the season I joined when in the league two season, I was probably quite close to players like Josh Barrett who who was on loan yeah. he quite you seemed young. like a
2: bit of a character
3: yeah, he was a bit of a character and he was Cause I'd, I'd, I, don't know if, I don't know if I had played against him when he was at Reading, but I felt like we just instantly, I think Reading, Brentford, we had a lot to sort of talk about. Also with Dom Haim, I was quite close with him.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and then the next year, there was a big change change of players in that next season and it started off really slow. I remember the group was quite sort of sort of segregated, but then... I think sort of Tom Davies, Jack Grimmer when Dave Myler was there. Yeah. Brand, Brandon Mason was new. We had a really, real good mix of people. Everyone sort of really outgoing, which was nice.
1: Yeah. And that season that you mentioned about um, the eight appearances, did you find it quite tough not not being in the side and sort of watching? And I suppose it's a case of, you know, biding your time.
3: Yeah, it was tough because obviously I, I knew I had sort of, gone down a league from Brentford from my decision and I wanted to everyone wants that instant sort of impact. Yeah. Of to, to I wanted to play. I wanted to sort of burst onto the to the scene at Coventry. But it just wasn't to be and I, I had to buy my time and and do it. And looking back on it now, it everything worked out really well. But at the time obviously I was I was stressed. I was thinking, oh I've moved away. Yeah. I've come here. I've taken a chance. Um should I have stayed? Should I not have? But I mean everyone all the coaching staff especially especially AD was really good with me then to just keep me at it keep me training and sort of knowing that your time's going to come and obviously the good thing was I was watching young players in the team I wasn't there wasn't too many experienced players who I thought I'm never going to be able to to sort of get in here That the chances yeah. are not there there yeah. was a lot of young players in the team and the gaffer was giving them a chance and I felt it, it will come I just need to sort of stay in there
1: yeah and, and again that Lives long in the memories of commentary fans is Sunburned away when we won five four. Yeah. Do you remember much about that game? You came on as a sub. In, in that match.
3: Yeah, that was that was some I remember all the cameras there and everything, and obviously it's it's a it's a hyped up game all week yeah. um, with all the fans sort of going at it and whatever. And, we, <laughs> and uh, we, we knew everyone knew that the cameras were there, so I think it was we we obviously weren't expecting for a five four, but we were thinking we'd just love to to get one over here and, and get it on Netflix and all <laughs> that and, and it probably probably couldn't have ended ended better I mean I can't say I did too much in the game I remember I, I came on and got elbowed in the in the mouth by McGeady I was bleeding for eight minutes didn't want the ref to see so there were no more added minutes but no that, that was a great day yeah
1: and have you since
3: watched that on Netflix That was... yeah I, I've seen it and I, I've, I've also seen the blood all, all over me yeah. and the, yeah on the thing they made it very
2: dramatic didn't they Chaplin's goal in slow motion
3: yeah which was even better for us yeah (laughs) Yeah. and
1: moving on to the title winning season what was the feeling in the camp ahead of the season did you expect the team to do so well
3: see I've had this conversation with a few people it was quite (laughs) weird I mean we had a good season the season before especially the second half of it and when we came back in for pre-season last season it was like Everyone came in saying, we're going to get promoted. Yeah, And, and it was just, it wasn't, I know, obviously the staff wanted promotion and they were saying, that's our aim, this is our aim. But more so just the lads in the changing walking around saying, this has got to be done, this has got to be done because we are getting promoted. And we didn't have a clue what any, any other team in the league was like. Yeah. We were just walking around sort of convincing ourselves that, that we were the best team and we were going to get promoted. And, and I think that really came in when we played South End on day one yeah even even though it was only one nil we felt like we were like not to be disrespectful but like a step ahead of them yeah of course we we dominated the game we after that game we just sort of got on a roll and we felt like this is from from the start the pressure was it was ours to lose we always felt like that and i I think probably created our own pressure at times but we yeah we just sort of had that everyone was walking around and remember fads came in and I, I, did, I hadn't really spoke to him yet, and he's just talking about promotion. Yeah. And he was like, every, everyone knew, new player, old player, young or old, everyone was just talking about promotion, and uh, it, it, it worked for us in the end, yeah. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
2: And we made some really good signings, didn't we, um, in the summer? You know, players like Dabo, Godin, O'Hare. Um, could you sort of tell that there was a really strong team sort of f- formulating
3: you could tell that there was a like a dedicated team there was a lot of ambition in the team i think the year before obviously it was the first season in league one so as much as you want to finish as high as you want there is you want to just win game by game and and survive the league you want to stay in the league i think the pre-season that we did um the promotion season it was the everyone was working hard everyone wanted to get themselves and the team into the into the championship it was it was a really like sort of I don't know how to say it was a hungry dressing room that we had um and it still is there I know that that the 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 mood there is isn't to just make up a number in the championship it's to it's to really take take on the league and it's just sort of the mentality that's that was created I think from that pre-season
2: yeah definitely and you talked a bit about a d v vesh you know, perhaps being influential in in getting you to the club. Um, how did he sort of help you personally um, in terms of breaking into the first team and, and helping you with your game?
3: I think it was good that he, it, it helped that he knew me as a person um, before and he knew how I would cope with things because I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't show that I was maybe upset or disappointed not by not being in the squad or being on the mm. bench and and he's quite good with with everyone really because the the gaffer will say what he needs to say he'll put his point across <clears> and, and that's really it it's up to you if you want to go and speak to him whereas ad will be the one that will come to you and and ask you how you're doing and work on this and a lot of the times i remember he would say in training if it was the the bench players or the people that weren't in the squad that he would put on a session for me or for someone that he felt Needed that sort of uplift, um, and to show them that they can get in the squad. This is for them to to get them into the team, sort of thing. And he was really clever at knowing what times to sort of pick someone up and um, and get them going. And he he does that a lot. And he, he's but he can also do do the other half. I don't I don't know how many people have uh, told you about his maybe strictness or that he's a disciplinarian as well. And if it, if something's not good enough, you will uh, you're certain. Yeah. That,
2: yeah, I think it's important to have both aspects, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is, especially with a majority of young group. Um, yeah, exactly. We did have a few senior players who, even the young players were sort of strict and things like that. We had a few older players, but I think AD really stepped into. to... Uh, make sure the levels were, were at a certain, certain standard.
2: Yeah. And it was obviously a, a real breakthrough season for you. I think you played in almost every game in that season. Um, what do you think you did differently, which allowed you to obviously get in the team and then, you know, stay in it for the majority of the season?
3: Um, it's hard to, it's hard to say because even in the game, I played eight games, I felt like I performed well in, in each of the games, each of the games I played. And, I think the first game I played right wing I, I did well we beat South End second game I got man of the match against Blackpool that season but I think the thing that helped me was was the assists and the goals and I think that's for any manager it's 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 hard to take someone out the team
2: yeah the who stats is, yeah who, who,
3: who is providing and I think that's what sort of kept me in the team because the gaffer knew I was a good player and I could play for the team and I was maybe just as good but there were people that were, were sort of at the end of the game when you look back and you think, how have we won that game or why have we lost that yeah. game? There were people that were providing and I needed to, if I was going to play in that position, the attacking midfield role, I needed to become a provider. And I managed to do that early on in the season, which then sort of gave me confidence to, to, to carry that through.
2: Yeah. And it seemed to me like that, that last season, the, the midfield just really clicked like perhaps the season before it wasn't as um, consistent and there were some players coming in and out, but like clearly last season our midfield just clicked so well. And I guess you were, you know, you're a key part of that. So I suppose once you're in there, you know, there was no reason to, to take you out.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think our midfield was, it was, it was very strong last mm. year, which is, which is why sort of when, when Wesley was unfortunately got injured, we had to sort of change formation and, yeah, um, we had actually worked on that formation the previous pre-season against Stevenage, and it, it didn't it didn't work um, at all, and we never did it again. But then we we did it against Colchester in the FA Cup for the first time, and um, it was that we we were that good that it was that was our formation now, and and it it did help that we had a good core midfield, and even not playing then was Callum O'Hare and Jamie Allen weren't weren't playing, but we had enough players in them positions to rotate and just completely dominate games.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we kicked off the season in strange circumstances playing at St Andrews, but you know, you obviously got a huge welcome onto the pitch from the fans who were there. And it must have felt great for you to to score in that game and you know really kick off our season.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean it was it was yeah, it was a weird scenario to be at St Andrews, but it was because there was sort of nothing we could do, it was we we had to play on it. It was the people who were going to come and support were going to come and support, and we, we were grateful for that. And um in in my eyes, it was I had to go on that pitch and and produce and take take my chance because there were we had such a good team that year. We had quite a lot of players. I thought that was going to be my moment, and luckily for me, I I, t- I took it, and I, I sort of never looked back that season from then and. That's even got me to, to where I am today. It's put me in this position because maybe if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have had as many opportunities that season and I might not have been where I am now.
1: And in, Embarrassingly enough, I've got this on my phone, which i I've actually watched back a few times, but um, you scored an absolutely fantastic free kick away from Oxford. We've heard about how many times you've been practising set pieces. Is it something that you were working on in the training ground and it's one of those when you hit it, you just know?
3: Yeah, so it was, it was mostly me and shippers that were working on set pieces. And like I said before, the most, most teams sort of do probably 10, 15 minutes on set pieces. And it's mainly about the positions of the runners and, yeah. and where they're going to be in the box. It's the delivery. You sort of just trust the delivery. You don't really, they'll sort of practice it on their own, um, the, the delivery takers. But he, the gaffer liked to put a lot of pressure on, on maybe taking 30, 40 balls a, a day. And putting them on on the money sort of every time. Yeah. And um there used to be some fines if, if they weren't there. I remember <laughs> shippers sometimes just looking at the ground, you say if it's if this doesn't go sort of either in the goal or on someone's head then it's a 50 pound fine, think, Oh my god, I can't play fifty pound if I don't put this in, but um, he's not
1: eating that night. Yeah.
3: So so there was there was a lot of pressure. So I think it did sort of help when it came to a game. We thought, well. done this for an hour yesterday I've just got to try and do the same and and that Oxford one yeah luckily for me it it has gone in because it probably wasn't the the most exciting free kick but just managed to pass it round the wall and and hit it from the keeper
1: it's one of those games that it just felt like a roller coaster especially as a as a fan and we were probably a little bit disappointed I suppose with the the actual end result but yeah it must have been a a strange game to play and it's one of those that Typical football, I suppose.
3: Yeah, it was it was a strange game. So I remember we were um, they played a weird formation with sort of three number tens in behind, and we would worked on the tactics to try and try and nullify that. And it just did it didn't work for the, for the first twenty minutes. We were really under the caution. Yeah. They had all of the ball, and when I scored that free kick, it was really against the run of play. And um, so we went one nil up, and thinking, well, they've got a lot of the ball. They're putting in a lot of crosses, but not really getting on the end of too much. And then probably doesn't want me to mention it, but thank you had a thank <laughs> you had a moment in that game, and i think jamie Jamie Mackey score as well, and that second half was just like uh, the emotions going celebrating it's really at really end to end, end, end then, as well yeah isn't it? you're celebrating at one end thinking oh we've we've done it again, and then you go back and thinking how how are we how have we got ourselves back here yeah. but yeah, just probably happy to get out and and not lose. I think that was what we were quite good at, at especially at the start of last season when When we went unbeaten for a while, there were a few games where a few where you're unfortunate not to win, but a few you're thinking, Well, we haven't lost that game, um, and we're keeping the points ticking over. I remember there was the Bolton game at the start when we I don't know if we had like three disallowed goals. Um everyone felt like it was it was just how have we not won that? Yeah. But we sort of turned it into a positive and said, Well, listen, everything that went against us today went against us but we've still got a point and we can, we can move on from that. So yeah, that's
1: not but, going to happen every week, is it?
3: Yeah, it's not going to happen every week. And I think like, I remember Kells after the game, absolutely raging, looking for the referee <laughs> trying to get to him. but but no, that was just a one-off freak freak game.
1: And you spoke about the fact that we sort of couldn't get the ball in the first 20 minutes against Oxford, but a game that we had so much possession in. And um, I think it was probably, you know, a, really great game to watch was the 4-1 win against Wickham. Um, yeah. you, you, you sort of had a, a hand in the fourth goal. Uh, I think you started to move off. But again, that, they just couldn't get anywhere near us that day, could they?
3: No, they couldn't. And I don't know if it was them, but they, they were on a, on a good run of form. They were near the yeah. top. Um, yeah. Their home record was, was very good. And we, we, we went there with no fear. But I thought it was going to be a much more like cagey game. Um, I remember they tried to go man for man in midfield, and and we were finding a lot of space, getting a lot of chances. And the good thing about, because we didn't really play a front three, it was me and Shippers and Godders or Callum, yeah. Jamie and Godders, and we were sort of linking the midfield and the attack. But the runs for forward were we were just all sort of off the cuff from us. We were all working really well together, and nothing more summed up than than that goal at Wickham. With my long ball, Shippers' his outrageous flick, and, yeah. and and Matty's volley. But I've even spoke to Matty. and He said, "I don't know what other game he would have just volleyed that off his left foot." But it was just, it was one of them games where everything was going for us. Everything we were touching were getting through on goal, and uh, that was a really good day.
1: Yeah, it felt like we'd score every time we went forward, and obviously that Christmas run we we continued, and and we sort of were winning every week. What what. Did anything click in the changing room, sort of, during that Christmas time and uh, beyond that? Um,
3: I'm not too sure if anything different happened. Not that I could feel, but yeah, the one the one thing some players do like and what we were thriving off was momentum. And because there were games coming very often, yeah, it was you were just bouncing into the next game uh, off your last win, sort of thing. And and it was it was just like a roll on effect. I think we were playing teams that weren't winning I think we had Wickham and Trammere yeah uh, game after game and I think I think they were the games that Matty got two hat tricks yeah and I think we yeah our, our mentality was just bouncing in, into a next win into your next win and trying to because I think we had still had games in hand and we were climbing up the table um and other teams were sort of fearing us sort of sitting back and I mean when, when Matty got them two hat tricks I think teams were probably thinking oh good like please, like, I don't want to play against God and sort of thing. And and we sort of knew that teams were going to feel like that when we were coming there and it was just giving us more and more confidence.
2: And we had uh, we had Matty on the podcast recently and he, he talked a bit about the Birmingham FA Cup tie. Obviously, it was the, the, the tie and then the replay. Yeah. And he said that it was possibly a blessing in disguise that we didn't get through because obviously the fixture calendar was mounting yeah. up a bit. We had some really important games. Is that a feeling you share, Zane?
3: Yeah, and I think as much as... I think it was Leicester away they they played. And I think as much as everyone wanted the big game at Leicester and to play in in their stadium and whatever, it was a bit of a derby game as well. Yeah. I think the team knew how sort of promotion, how sort of important promotion was to us and how close it sort of felt. Yeah. Um, That that game, the amount of sort of running that we did each game, we knew that Leicester could probably tip us over the edge if they if they dominated the game and things like that so I think it was a bit of a, a blessing in disguise that we didn't have a game then because they were coming thick and fast um, I think that gave us a bit of a rest then and, and we just continued to push on in the league just solely focus on that
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Yeah. And the last time a lot of us saw a live football match was away at Ipswich, which seems, you know, absolutely ages ago now. to so us fans, this really did feel like the moment we we were going to go on and actually win the league not just get promoted is yeah. that was that the moment for you when you you felt like we were going to win the league
3: um I think it probably it would have been I, I think we sort of had inklings from a few games back. We knew that we knew how good we were and we knew mm. the pressure was on us because i remember I, I was I was always on music in the change room i don 't remember what week it started, but when we obviously when we were winning, we never wanted to get too high. When we lost, we never wanted to get too low. But there was a week when we won a game and AD demanded that we played Sweet Caroline. (laughs) And it sort of started rolling on every week that every time we won, Sweet Caroline went on. And in that Ipswich game, Sweet Caroline went on, but everyone stayed in the changing room and was singing and dancing. And I remember the gaffer was filming and it it did sort of feel like we had won something like won something bigger than the Ipswich game. So I think you're probably right. I think we did feel like then we had sort of I don't know, got away. We were top with two games in hand or a game yeah, in hand or something. We flying, and, yeah. Yeah. And we just felt like we we have done this sort of thing, which I don't know if there is the right mentality, but it was just the confidence in in the group at the time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We had um we had Backer on and he he wasn't too impressed with uh Sweet Caroline bowl accounts yeah he, did. he, didn't he, like he it. probably
3: says that now but i guarantee he was screaming his lungs off in the changing room
2: yeah exactly yeah, yeah you kind of get into it don't you
3: yeah you do yeah it was uh it was quite contagious i don't, I don't actually know when it started but it was just a, a week-on-week thing it's definitely on his playlist now that yeah. yeah it is he's in the car on his own he doesn't want to tell anyone that
2: yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and obviously pretty soon after that that game we we obviously went into lockdown um it must've been a really strange time as a player
3: yeah it was um and it was it was a weird one because i think we were supposed to be playing Shrewsbury on the saturday and we were in yeah, training right. on the friday and there was sort of everyone was a bit whispering and are we going to be playing someone said the games off and and at that time i think covid or corona it, it was a big thing but no one really knew what it what it was or what was going on and I think they had told us we were going to be off for, for a week or so or two weeks and it was it was just a never ending never ending text we're going to be off for another week we're going to be off for another week and yeah ended up just never coming back
2: Yeah and as a player what do you do to sort of I guess keep busy and I guess also keep fit because I suppose you had to be ready to carry on playing at some point if if you were going to come back
3: Yeah and that that was the hardest part I mean we had Adam Hearn, who was our um, sort of sports scientist, fitness coach, and he was great with, with the lads, always been great. Um, still a good friend of mine, and um, he was giving us uh, running and running workouts, gym workouts, and I'd say it was probably every other day or three times a week, and they were pretty intense. I mean, we started off doing running and gym on Zoom sort of every other morning, we had a few times where he broke it down, took it down a notch because he thought we need we're going to need some rest at some point. But they kept thinking we were we were going to come back in, so it kept getting ramped up again. And we were going, we were getting fitness through the roof, and then a bit back down and through the roof. It was, you know, it was never ending until the day they finally said that that we were champions.
1: Yeah, and we're going to come on to football behind closed doors a little bit later on. But just with that, do you think that has had any? knock-on effects on perhaps teams because a lot of other teams have gone all the way through pretty much they probably had a four or five week break whereas um you know you guys were sort of on the boil for that whole time it's it's tough to know whether it's better or or worse i suppose for players to play all the way through and have a smaller break or a a longer break
3: i think that we would say that um probably playing would have been the, the better having a break and then getting back to the season would have been maybe a better thing and probably the people that had to go back playing like the championship players would probably say that no we would have preferred to have just (laughs) just like (laughs) been at home sort of thing so I don't really know if you can say which one I mean we we had a tough tough schedule and it obviously wasn't nice for anyone you're sitting at home and you can't go and mix with anyone so everyone was having the same problem but um, it was just a long period of time of just going out and running on the roads um, or trying to find a park to run at um, it was just a good thing about about the weather yeah. when we were off because it was really nice. I mean, yeah. if we went into another lockdown and it was getting dark at sort of 4, five, 5 o'clock and the weather's not great, I can't imagine that would be a nice lockdown.
1: You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. The news came through um, that Coventry were champions. Where were you when you sort of heard the news and, and how did you feel? I'd imagine there's some relief as well as, you know, sort of ecstatic.
3: Yeah, so I was... I was in my flat in Leamington and there, there had been a few dates where they had said, oh, this is the date where they're going to yeah. say what the decision is. And, like, we knew no more than, than everyone else. We were, I mean, there was a Twitter page called EFL Live, Something EFL maybe. Zone, yeah. yeah. And and we were getting a lot of our stuff from there because we, as much as the gaffer was relaying back what he was getting in the meetings and stuff, there wasn't actually a lot of decisions being made. so. Yeah. We were sort of hearing a date and hoping that was it. And I remember the, we did know that this was the actual day. So I was waiting and it, it was horrible. We, we, still had to, we still had to do a run that morning because yeah. we didn't know if they were going to say we were back in or not. So I'd done my run in the morning trying to keep myself busy. And then I thought, okay, it's sure it's everyone's telling me that we're going to be champions. So I thought, I'm just going to jump in the shower, get ready, and, and just hope, hope that something happens. I need to do something to sort of yeah. take the time away. Yeah. So I got in the shower and, and as I got out, I see the messages in the group chat saying, like, boys, we, we've done it, we've done it, we're champions. And yeah, it was it was relief, first of all, because knowing we'd been waiting a long time f- for a text to tell us, rather than yeah. playing the last game of the season and knowing if you're champions or not, we were waiting for a, t- a text. Because there's some
1: talk of like, no, I know that got sort of scrapped fairly early on, but there was some talk of Void, which must have been really... You know agreement yeah
3: that, that, that wasn't a nice nice rumor going round. Um, there was a few of them. I mean we, we wouldn't, have minded, wouldn't have minded to keep, keep on playing because that's what we were training for. We, yeah. we were doing the runs every other day, uh, sort of in mind that we were going to go back and either play the rest of the games or play like a mini tournament, wh- whatever idea they sort of came up with. but at the end of the day, we were just buzzing that, that we were made champions. we felt like we deserved it, and yeah. and, and we got it.
1: Yeah, was it disappointing that you couldn't celebrate with the fans in the sort of in, in the way that you you know normally would with a a, a bus or something in the city?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I mean, like for my first promotion, I, I know a few of the lads have had a couple in the team. You just you want that sort of to celebrate together because yeah. it's just, it's the same as when now when we're playing you when you win. You want the fans to be there because that's sort of what you're you're playing for, that sort of atmosphere, that emotion, everything like that. And as buzzing as I was when I heard we got promoted, it was, there's only so much you can do on your own in a flat. You're calling people and and trying to celebrate, but it would have been nice to have had that final day of the season and everyone coming on the pitch and then have your bus parade around commentary. It would have been unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and the, the Sky Blue Army obviously travelled in big, big numbers in in that that season. Um, did they have a big impact on on performances? Do you think the the, the noise in the crowd, um, especially yeah. away yeah. from home?
3: Yeah, definitely. I I think we knew going to away games that we were gonna sort of pack out the away end or even get more allocated. I mean, some of the games there was Portsmouth, which I remember massively. The, the noise there was mental. Peterborough was also. Unbelievable one, and that was—they were both draws. So they weren't yeah. even wins, and yeah. the noise there was was unbelievable. Two of two of the best games, I think. <laughs> to I know it's not really home or away, but the Birmingham FA Cup games were were unbelievable as well. I remember getting booed on the the first one, and that was like that sort of feeling when you're coming out is is what I think a lot of players, especially me, I play for yeah. that, that that noise and. Going to away games was, was just unbelievable because it just felt like there was a lot more atmosphere. I think at home, there wasn't that many teams that brought massive away fans. Yeah, so sure. the atmosphere was really good from us, but maybe not so much from a lot of the other teams. And the stadium was half empty, so the noise wasn't maybe the best. But yeah, some of the away games, it was, it was unbelievable.
1: And then moving on to this summer, you made the move to Bristol Rovers. T- just talk us through how that sort of came about, and um, this summer.
3: So there, there was a lot of talks about me signing a new contract, and and I think it went on f- from January uh, till till I left. Really, there was uh, a contract that had been been offered, and I'd been told to wait and. Didn't really want to hassle too much during COVID because no one knew how that was going to end. Sure. But um then COVID came to an end and we were coming back in and I had a contract agreed and was ready to sign it. And I was I, I didn't want to leave commentary. I wanted to stay, I loved it there. And I said to many people when they asked me about commentary, what's it like? And I just I've said it wasn't work. I was I was going in to see my mates every day and yeah and play football and whatever. And I, yeah, I didn't want to leave, but sort of a weird a weird scenario that never really got to the bottom of and didn't, didn't need to in the end because I, sure. I felt like I wasn't, wasn't wanted in the way I was when the contracts were being offered and I was playing every week in the team. And I just felt like I had to make the decision like I did at Brentford for my career. Yeah. Um, as much as I loved Coventry and I was devastated when, when I left and um, I had to make that decision for myself that I need to go somewhere and, and play because that's when I was happiest. Yeah. Um, the season before at Coventry, when I didn't play as much, I was I was happy, but I I wanted that fulfilment of playing every week and being involved in the team. And the season we got promoted, I just I enjoyed it so much that I couldn't then take a step back to to maybe being a bit part time yeah. player yeah. at Coventry, no matter how much I wanted to stay there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can hear my voice. I, I did. I wanted to stay at Coventry. at yeah, of I there were really good friends of mine made there. It's the first place I'd moved to uh, on my own. Um, really sort of set up a home there. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, I had to make the decision and I was sort of looking. There were quite a few teams I was, I was in contact with.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
3: Um, but I had to make a decision in the end, what was going to be best for me playing-wise, not what I think a lot of people, maybe fans would look at anything why why has he made that move when he had such a good season he was in such a good team but it was a move for me that I felt would take my career on and keep me happy which is the main yeah, thing especially especially when you're going to live away from home and you're not with yeah. your family you 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 do want to feel happy rather than I'm here somewhere for Maybe money or, or a team that looks really good. So when it comes up on Twitter and says he's signed for so and so, and everyone says, "Wow, like what a good move!" But then you don't you don't see me for two years. So yeah, like how good really is it? So yeah, I made was that. Was it decision. a few
1: about Bristol? It's um you know obviously they've got a real fierce rivalry uh, locally and
3: um... yeah. Yeah. So I'd actually got the manager got in contact with my, with my agent and because they weren't actually a club I was I was speaking to with when I was speaking to about f- five or six clubs, they weren't sure. one that was in the mix. And I think they had maybe got wind that I was looking to leave. Um and they c- called my he called my agent, the gaffer and said, I'd really like to speak to Zane um and show him the plans of what we're gonna do. And my agent said, Oh, I'm I'm not I'm not too sure if you speak to him at the moment. He's just sort of getting his head together with with sort of having to leave Coventry because I was still going, still training at Coventry, just thinking, what the, what is going on? Like, I can't believe I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, and so they sent me, they sent me a PowerPoint, um, quite a lot of it on me and why they want me, and a bit like the way Mark Robbins spoke to me when I signed there. I felt that instant sort of, um, sort of want for me.
1: And the part that uh, you play, yeah. yeah, the
3: part that I play, the big role. And I said to, I said to my family, I, I said to my dad, like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to want me to be a main player, not to just go there to be a, a number. And um, I had a few phone calls with him. And a lot of the stuff he was saying was he was trying to change the club um, to, to sort of like a sort of a Coventry model. Yeah, um, he, he wants a young team, young players, hungry, play good football. Um, and one of the formations he actually wanted to play was the box formation that um, we played at Coventry. And he said, I'd be perfect to come in I know it tactically and just sort of sold it to me that way and um, I think it took me probably about a week or or two to to make the decision but as soon as I had spoke to him and seen all that I'd sort of made my mind up that that was where I wanted to go and I think it might have seemed a bit weird from the outside um, but to me it was it was quite a clear and, and easy decision and yeah. I'd obviously spoken to Tom Davies quite a bit who was yeah. at Bristol mm-hmm. he was selling it to me from that aspect and saying it's a great place for a young, a young player to be. Um, so yeah, I've, I've made the decision to, to leave and I've, I've not really looked back. It's been a good start to the season, it's been tough, but um, I'm really, really happy and happily to be in like a, a nice environment like I was in at Coventry.
2: And how has it been so far at Bristol? Are you, are you sort of enjoying your football? How, how have the results been so far?
3: Um, The results have been sort of different. I mean, we had a really tough start to the season. We had Ipswich twice and um, Sunderland away and Doncaster. And we also had seven new players, which was never going to be easy. And we knew that from when we were training pre-season. We said, as well as we're training, we know that on the pitch it's hard. We're going to have to take time to gel. So everyone's got to stay positive and things like that. Because we were playing well, but there were bits defensively and tactically where... Um, we were probably doing stuff that we were doing at our old clubs, which is which is natural. It's it's your habit, but we needed to sort of play the the Bristol Rovers way, and we managed to to uh, to start clicking. And I think we got our first win against I think it was against Northampton, and now yeah. we're unbeaten in four, and we're climbing up the table, and we're we're looking like a good team, which everyone knew we were going to be when we signed. We got a lot of good players, a lot of young players, but I think you as much as you get time. Uh, to gel you do have to sort of get your act together quite quickly which luckily we've done
2: something i'm really interested to get your point of view on is um what it's like as a footballer playing behind closed doors um you know does it have a big impact for example when you're behind in a game and you know some people have mentioned possibly there being less pressure and we've obviously seen in the premier league just tons of goals going in so what's it like as a footballer how does it differ
3: um, I think it has a massive impact. impact. Um, pressure for one. Um, there There is a lot less pressure. I think it's that's good in a way because it gets people to maybe take chances or play, which I like to see. I like to see good football and people take risks on the ball and be confident. Whereas I think when there is a full stadium and fans are maybe getting on your back, people will take less of a risk. Yeah. But then I'd say it's been a negative for me because... I love the atmosphere and I love the the crowd noise and if you okay, you've got to take it. If you do something bad, the, the crowd are going to be on your back. That's yeah, a cool. given. But if you do something good, that's what you sort of that's what you live for. When when yeah. you you score a goal or you do something that gets the the crowd off their seat, and I think that's what every player is missing at the moment, and that's why there are a lot of goals going in because there's just that less that less pressure element and people yeah, taking chances, maybe getting a bit lackadaisical and, and trying things and yeah. there's just not that pressure of if I do something bad, the fans are on me and mm. if I do something good, well, I, yeah, I've done something good but no one's really praising me in, in the stand. So, sort of, it's just, yeah, it's a bit, of a bit of a downer.
2: Yeah, so possibly from a defender's point of view, they they might feel like, you know, they don't have to go the extra mile because no one's going to have a go at them afterwards whereas normally they know that like any mistake they make, that could be it for the game. They're going to have the fans on their back.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think it makes a difference also when you're away. And mm. we, we've tried to have that conversation. I think we were, we played against Ipswich away in the cup, the first game. And we were, we were great on the ball. We were playing really nice football. We were dominating the game. We were pressing really high, but they were getting in. They were, and we went in at halftime and it was nil-nil. We were probably the better team, but they were just cutting through us. And we sort of said, if the fans were here, would we be playing so recklessly? Um, Or would we be saying, listen, this is Ipswich away. It's a tough game. We're going to have to be a bit more sort of robust and think about the what ifs. Because I don't think that's what we were doing. We were just going a bit gung-ho. And it's sort of like, you attack, we attack, you attack, we attack. A bit like a basketball game. Um, And I think we sort of just managed that better when we played against Sunderland away. And we went there, and we went ahead, went one nil ahead, and just said, "Okay, well, like, sort of, come and beat us." Um, and we were a lot more structured at the back, and I, was, I think it, that was how you would play if if the Sunderland fans were there. Yeah. Also, I do kind of wish the Sunderland fans were there because they probably would have got on their back a bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Can work my face right? Put, yeah, um, and put that pressure on them, but they didn't. Again, they didn't feel that pressure, and they were they were playing probably better football for it.
2: Hmm. And you mentioned obviously Bristol Rovers compiling a, a decent squad this season what are the ambitions there is it to go for promotion?
3: Yeah it, it is for promotion and that was again quite a big thing for me if I was going to be joining a team I wanted a team that had that ambition of getting promoted because I'd obviously that, that's that was my mentality coming from from commentary, and it was sort of accept no less than that and when I spoke to the gaffer on the phone, he said that's that is the ambition of the club. They they want to get up there and, and doing it in this style. Um, and yeah, I mean we've got a young, nice young team um, with a bit of experience at the back. Um, I think yeah, we're a good team. Good team to watch. Um, we'll start gelling a bit more as the season sort of progresses. Um, but yeah, we're we're a good team with with big ambitions.
2: And sort of on a final note, really, what are your kind of personal targets and ambitions for this season? And I suppose looking ahead to the next few seasons as well.
3: Um, I mean, I don't usually set myself too many goals. Um, mm. But again, the the sort of assistant goals I got last year, I want to better that. And I mean, I'm, I'm playing a bit deeper than I am than I was last year. I was playing yeah. sort of behind Matty Gordon last year whereas I'm more involved in sort of build up from the back now and then work the ball up. Um, but I still have, have like my goals to, to get more than more than six goals this season and, and better my assist number for last season. I want to have a big impact on the team and I think I've got that sort of pressure now. I think last year I had the pressure that if I was going to keep my position I had to produce whereas this year I am more of a, a main player um, so again I have to do what a main player would do and, and produce for the team otherwise there will be someone to come in the team and, and take my spot
2: mm, Of course So it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show this evening thanks for giving up some of your time to share your Sky Blue story with our listeners I'd also like to say on behalf of all of the fans thanks very much for your commitment when wearing the Sky Blue shirt um, it was certainly a pleasure watching you play football and we all wish you uh, the very best for your career
3: Yeah no thank you very much it's been a pleasure being on and uh I'll always hopefully be in close contact with Coventry, good friends there, and really enjoyed, really enjoyed my time there.
2: Brilliant. Listeners, don't forget to check out our partners, Shortland Horn, for the latest properties in Coventry. And do also check out the Sky Blues Extra website for the latest range of merchandise, including the Cyril Regis Subutio t-shirt. And as always, if you want to get involved in the conversation on any of our channels, just use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Extra Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At Participating Restaurants 18 Plus Serving Times Delivery Fee and Terms Apply. See McDonald's.com.